0: hello and welcome to paper boys the podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science my name is charlie and i'm here with james the best co-host in the universe charlie you're being too kind uh i mean yes i am you're only the second
1: best co-host in the universe (laughs) so well you're a little less kind there i can accept that charlie and i are both phd students who read a lot of papers for our own research this podcast is our way of sharing our love for diving deep into the science with anyone else who wants to learn more and charlie i want to learn more about this topic that you're bringing in this week what do you have for us uh i too want to learn more because honestly this one was really hard to understand okay
0: it's about quantum computing okay i've heard that word floating around that is about the extent of my knowledge before today Mm -hmm. was that i'd heard the word buzzing around Uh, yeah buzzing around and i mean the reason why we're going to talk about it today is that google recently came out with a paper where they claim that they have achieved quantum supremacy okay that sounds intense uh and i have no idea what it means uh it's it's the name of a villain from a superhero movie in the 70s
1: oh yeah quantum supremacy quantum
0: supremacy with the power of math (laughs) (laughs) no it is essentially a milestone in the field of quantum computing That I guess everyone is trying to reach where like it's kind of and it's kind of a sliding scale. It's somewhat subjective, but essentially Mm -hmm. what it refers to is a quantum computer can achieve a task or perform a computation that would be impossible for a regular classical computer to do.
1: Okay, impossible, like a conventional computer could just never do it or it would just take longer than we have time in this <laughs> yeah sense. I, I think it's i think it's the uh,
0: existential time question okay it's like so i mean specifically google says the computation that they achieved with their quantum computer would take a regular computer 10,000 years to do okay. okay so i mean that's i guess it's technically possible if we're in you know hitchhiker's guide or
1: something but <laughs> well i just bring it up cuz there's like that element of information theory that essentially all computers are the same it's just a difference in how fast they can process things yeah they so they actually reference that in the paper they say uh, something i forget
0: who it was but it basically the theory is any problem can be solved using a turing machine or any computer can be boiled down into a turing machine yes and what quantum computers do is they actually kind of break that theorem like the, there are actually things that quantum computers can do that a turing machine couldn't do really or at least that's what they
1: think okay if i understand correctly so it's it's, this isn't, I guess the sense that I'm getting from you already is like they haven't achieved everything and it's like ushering in this new age of quantum computing. It's like they've hit some pretty big but incremental metric.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like a qualitative milestone. Okay. Um, you know, think of it like, I don't know, when they were coming up with cars, mm-hmm. when the first car finally could drive farther than a person could walk or something like that, you know? Okay. Like when it finally became, you know, made more sense to drive than it did to walk. I don't know. They have a quantum computer that they can actually compare and run a test yeah pretty much okay um, but so well, we'll get into it i guess after the break once i kind of collect my thoughts because quantum computing is hard <laughs> stuff man
1: we're already diving in welcome to paper boys before we get started i uh, just have to do our weekly shout out you have to i have to i'm being Force forced exchange. if you're not already please do check us out on instagram and twitter our handle is at @paperboyspod also we've fired up a patreon if you're interested in contributing um it's patreon.com/paperboyspod all the proceeds that we get go towards the podcast charlie and i reinvest them into the podcast to handle things like hosting our website paying for the host for the actual podcast episodes that make them available to you and as we mentioned before we still have some other projects in the work that we're excited to bring out in the next few months so check it out patreon.com slash paperboys pod it's only pie dollars a month yeah and you get a bonus episode which is coming out november 1st
0: another one coming out is it spooky it's uh no november 1st is after halloween
1: so we can officially it does make it not okay. spooky it's anymore. not spooky not like our last one not like our last one yeah okay charlie so quantum supremacy aside from being my favorite album from the 80s <laughs> ah. uh favorite <laughs> 80s hair metal album can you tell me a little bit more about quantum supremacy but also where you saw this paper who wrote it what's going on yeah so this one was like really all over the news
0: i mean i'd be surprised if if people listening haven't heard these headlines at least vox says google claims it reached quantum supremacy what the heck does that mean Oh, by jerry seinfeld that's actually in their headline uh live science says google's quantum computer just aced an impossible test impossible in quotes so not actually impossible yeah and then science magazine says ibm casts doubt on google's claims of quantum supremacy
1: Okay, so I have heard that there's been some arguing between Google and i b m about who did what yeah who's with who they scheduled they've scheduled a boxing match to settle it, yes, on Christmas day Watson versus <laughs> <laughs> yeah Watson versus uh yeah, sycamore that's the, name of the quantum computer here oh serious app sycamore, <laughs> yeah, sick'em,
0: yeah, so there's definitely some controversy here, um, okay, and so I guess kind of maybe what we can talk about today is like what is quantum supremacy what are quantum computers what did google actually do and why does ibm think that it's bogus
1: yes 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 and yes i'm all in let's start with quantum supremacy
0: yeah oh actually i uh before we dive in i wanted to thank alec buckenheimer for recommending this article to us uh he's actually one of our patrons so thank you alec not only for the episode recommendation but also for your generous support of the show we really appreciate it so The actual paper that Google released was published in the journal Nature. Okay. Pretty big deal. And it's called Quantum Supremacy Using a Programmable Superconducting Processor. And this came out October 23rd. uh, And there are 77 authors. So I'm not going to read the whole list.
1: Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Are they all from Google? They are
0: almost all from Google. There's like a couple different um, centers that I think collaborated with them on this. Like there's actually some from NASA Ames. Oh. research okay. center uh there's a couple like caltech oak ridge national labs also i guess that's where the they there's some very large supercomputer there it actually might be the most powerful supercomputer in the world okay so there's some collaboration there uh but the first author is named frank arut
1: and he works for google ai quantum sweet yeah so let's start let's start at the basics because this quantum computing thing gets pretty crazy <laughs> Uh, There's nothing
0: really <laughs> basic about any of this. It's very confusing.
1: <laughs> What's, um? Can you give us some insight into what a quantum computer actually is? I will do
0: my best. Okay. I mean, in my notes, I pretty much just copy-pasted like a whole website from IBM talking about quantum computers. Okay. But so, if you think of a regular computer, the whole thing boils down to information that is stored as zeros and ones. And so those are bits. Okay. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I use this stuff every day. That yeah. makes sense to me. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And I think people kind of know that and maybe, maybe understand it on, like a, on a very high level. Mm-hmm. So these zeros and ones, they essentially they just represent like like an electrical signal. And so if you order these zeros and ones in certain orders and you control the, the flow of electricity between all these different things using gates and logic and I don't know, computer stuff. But so you control the flow of electricity and uh, that's how you, you can compute things. And ultimately, Mm -hmm. you build these calculations on top of each other to create whatever it is your computer is doing. Okay. Is that a good explanation of a computer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, in a quantum computer, it's a little different. They don't use bits like 0 and 1. They use qubits. Okay. And qubits can have way more states than just 0 and 1. They're actually like quantum
1: mechanical in nature. Is this like with an electron? It has a defined spin direction and i think yes
0: but so with the quantum with the quantum particles that they use they're talking about um there are actually three specific properties that they're using here okay uh, superposition entanglement and interference
1: and do you know for each of those three properties are they like binary values like they can take one of two values or is it they can take multiple states within
0: No, I think that each one is described by, like, you know, functions and waves and stuff. Okay. Again, I could be totally wrong. Okay. But but no, it's not not as simple as just saying, well, we have three bits now that are overlaid on top of each other. It's actually like you have these quantum mechanical properties, and what's crazy about each of those is that these particles can exist in multiple states of those three, like simultaneously.
1: What? That's kind of how, I guess, quantum mechanics works. Okay, that's the like that's when things get really crazy with quantum mechanics, and it yes becomes more statistical rather than not statistical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then discrete. Like yeah. Um. So because
0: these things can take a, on multiple states at the same time, and there's three different properties that you're looking at, I guess that just means you can do like you just have a way wider variety of things that can be represented by each of these qubits.
1: Okay, so if we boil it down, it's like for standard computer as we know it. You have one of these little modular pieces for representing information a bit and you can do two states on or off. Yeah. And then with a qubit in comparison, you can do like way more. Yeah. But it's not even like, oh, you have, you know, a hundred states available
0: to you. It's like it is in all of those states. Okay. So I guess I think it can like do lots of things simultaneously and like controlling the interaction. So
1: it's a totally different way for computing.
0: I'm really waiting for, like, 10 emails this week telling me how wrong I am about all this. But uh, but I, I gather that that's kind of what's going on here. Okay. So, right now, the state of quantum computing is, like, very, very rudimentary. Like, they've only built these very small chips. The one that Google has built um, is called Sycamore. And it only has 54 qubits on it. Okay. So, like, that's... I mean, that's tiny. Yeah. Like, I mean, how many bits can a regular computer represent?
1: I mean, your flash drive has... Over 16, like, gigabytes. So that's 8 times 16 times a billion Yeah, so basically, like, 100 billion bits.
0: Yeah. And we're talking about 50 on this quantum computer. Dang.
1: Okay. So there's a huge difference, and they say they achieved quantum supremacy with 56 qubits. Yeah, and I think, you know, and I think the reason why they have so few qubits right now is, like,
0: it's a really much... It's really, like, a hardware limitation. Okay. You know, like, we used to have computers that took up entire rooms that had less power than things that are now sitting on our cell phone. Yeah. So, like, the hardware advancement is really kind of what got us to computers that had more and more bits. Okay. Um, So, that's why we're still very rudimentary in terms of these quantum computers, but they're starting to see
1: what the power of them really is. Wow. I'm starting to to see this become fleshed out. It's like we have our 56-qubit quantum computer in lane one and our... Oak Ridge National Laboratory, Sycamore Supercomputer in lane two. They're lined up for a race. Yeah. Except, that, what's the race in this scenario? So that is a really good question. And it's kind of the crux
0: of this paper. Is Google trying to identify a problem that is well-suited to quantum computing and particularly like non-scalable for classical computing? Okay. So... Even like the problem formulation was really hard for me to understand. It's very like computer science-y, like, you know, theory side, not not implementation side. Okay. It's like a math problem. At a high level, what they're doing is they're sampling the output of a pseudo-random quantum circuit. And okay. And Vox puts it very, they sort of digest it for us and they say, the test problem Google ran for their paper was, and this is a simplification, to see if a random number generator
1: was truly random. I see. Okay, so cuz there's that there's like a constant debate. Maybe not a debate isn't the right word, but it's like people are like, "Oh, you could generate a random number." And it's like, "Oh, nothing is truly random cuz if you know how you got it." So you, people always use pseudo-random pseudo-random generators, but usually it's like you can take some random state from your processor and use that as a seed for a pseudo-random generator, but you know if you had enough information, you could go back and calculate every iteration and figure out what the number is, right?
0: Yeah, so I think that's sort of what they're doing here is they are sampling the outputs of this pseudo-random circuit, and then it says, owing to quantum interference, uh, the probability of the bit strings that are being sampled resembles, you know, something such that some bit strings are actually more likely to occur than others, which would mean it's not really random. OK And so I think that those likelihoods, you kind of do whatever calculation, and ultimately what they're trying to calculate is this number, FXEB which is a number between 0 and 1, and it corresponds with how often you get one of those high probability bit strings. Oh, okay. So that number fxeb is just a measure of how random actually is the random number generator. Okay, and it's really hard to compute. I guess it is really hard to compute, yeah. So their goal here is to achieve a high enough fxeb number with a circuit that has sufficient width and depth in their terminology, Such that classical computing is like
1: prohibitively difficult to do. Okay. Did they say in this case like prohibitively difficult is like more than a year, more than a hundred years, more than a thousand? It says the classical
0: computing cost is prohibitively large. And so I think what they ultimately calculate this is in terms of core hours and then energy cost. Wow.
1: Okay. Interesting. It's an interesting way to think about it.
0: Yeah. Core hours, meaning like if you had one classical computer core working on it, it would take that many hours. Okay. And then energy is just actual, like, electrical energy.
1: Interesting. That's neat that they actually include the energy calculation. Yeah, and when we get to that, you'll see why they
0: claim quantum supremacy. It's kind of insane how much this problem that seems very simple, like, well, is a random number random, how hard it is for a classical computer to do that.
1: Okay. Well, so, I mean, that's my next question is, it sounds like we have our two contenders... We have the problem set ready for them. Did they just turn each loose and, you know, start placing bets on who'd finish first? No. So this is what's really hard about proving this is that
0: if you want to prove that you've achieved quantum supremacy, you need to somehow prove that it's not a solvable problem by a classical computer. Oh, okay. But how would you do that without, I mean, you can't just run, if it takes 10,000 years, for a classical computer to solve this you can't just run it and wait ten thousand years true you have to somehow like (laughs) approximate or simulate or use theory to show that that's the case and then it's also hard because you can't actually really verify that the quantum computer is doing what it says it's going to do because to verify it you need Mm -hmm. to somehow like model it or simulate it using a classical computer yeah wow okay i mean this is getting very complicated very quickly Yeah. So this is the part of the paper that I found really cool is like, it's one thing to build this computer and have it solve problems. It's a whole nother thing. Like, how do you actually prove that it's doing what you say it's doing? Mm -hmm. If we don't, if it's, if it is truly the most powerful computer, like how would we, you know, it'd be like asking, you know, some high schooler to go have a conversation with Albert Einstein and then ask the high schooler like, so, uh, so how smart do you
1: think that guy is? (laughs) Like you just have no frame of reference, you know, like, yeah. So what were some of the methods that they actually used then to come up? Well, I mean, they have the conclusion that they achieved quantum supremacy. So I imagine they went through some sort of rigorous method to show that.
0: Yeah, it's rigorous enough for a nature paper, I guess. So it's got to be pretty good. The way that they simulate it is actually by kind of like reducing the complexity of the system and then simulating it on a classical computer. Okay. So the way that the computer is actually built is you have these 54 qubits, and each one of them is connected to its nearest four neighbors through, like, those gates that we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, computer science reasons, those connections do things and compute things. Okay. I want to pretend to understand. <laughs> Actually, just to give you a sense of, like, how hard this paper is to understand, can I read this one paragraph that is a description of how this computer works? Yeah. It, l- l- no joke, this sounds like it's from Back to the Future, It sounds like fake movie lingo. I love it. Let's hear it. In a superconducting circuit, conduction electrons condense into a macroscopic quantum state such that currents and voltages behave quantum mechanically. Our processor uses transmon qubits, which can be thought of as nonlinear superconducting resonators at 5 to 7 gigahertz. Whoa. The qubit is encoded as the two lowest quantum eigenstates of the resonant circuit. Each transmon has two controls a microwave drive to excite the qubit, and a magnetic flux control to tune the frequency. Dude, that sounds awesome. <laughs> sounds so cool. But, like, I mean, how much, like, schooling do you think you need to understand what they're talking about there?
1: Or not schooling, but, like, I mean, that's, I don't to, know. So to, like, to understand and be able to, like, critique that, I mean, there are probably less than, there are for sure, like, less than, am trying to think, probably less than 100,000 people on the planet oh yeah way less than that way less than that i mean you probably need a phd or at least like a master's in quantum physics to like really be able to tear like yeah dig into that i mean like that could have just come
0: out of a random word generator and i wouldn't have known the difference no i mean like even the parts where
1: they're saying like which you can think of as as this other thing are confusing so what i'm wondering now is like that paper has 77 authors like how did they not use one of those authors as a reviewer No, they did. It says that every single author
0: wrote and edited the paper.
1: Or, but I mean, as like a nature reviewer of that because you need other outside experts who are not at all involved in this work. Yeah, that's true. It's like, how big do you think this field
0: really is? Yeah. Actually, it's probably huge. I think that like there's some really major players. I mean, if Google is working on it with like a big lab, then there's tons and tons of like, I'm sure there's people at University of Washington who are working on quantum computing. No, there definitely are.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I've seen that come up. Interesting. That so. just
0: gives you a sense of I guess kind of how hard some of this is to understand. Mhm. So I'll try and give you kind of on a high level how I understood that they uh proved this quantum supremacy claim. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. So I mentioned before they have these 54 qubits and they're you know each qubit is connected to its four nearest neighbors and that's how they do things. I think it's all the interconnection that makes this a very complex problem and because having 54 with this level of connection is theoretically beyond the capability of regular computers they simplify it so there's three different ways they simplified it one is that they split this circuit into two isolated patches so physically uh, separated it no like so in simulation yeah let's say they're simulating this whole system on a regular computer mm-hmm. and they're simulating using like actual quantum mechanical equations they just say like a schrodinger algorithm which i don't know i see the name schrodinger and i think okay this is hard stuff <laughs> uh, so They're actually simulating this using, like, real quantum mechanics. Just using a bunch of cats. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Cats in boxes, you know. Yep. So the first technique, like, the most simple that they can go is they split the whole thing into two separate quantum computers, and then each one is only uh, 27 qubits, and I guess that's way easier to simulate than 54. Okay. So they can simulate them separately and then kind of, like, see how that compares, and then they do the same thing. They split it into two patches, but then they entangle the two patches with each other, so they're kind of
1: increasing the complexity a little bit, getting closer to the full scale. So and there's sort of this repeating structure that they're using to break it down, but then build that complexity. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay. And then the closest that they get to the full simulation is they, they simulate the full circuit with the same gate count, like the same number of gates, but then they reduced the complexity of the gates themselves. Like I think they reduced like the order of connectivity that was going on. Again, because I don't quite understand how it works at like the really low level Uh uh-huh this was hard for me to grasp but they're basically just doing like a reduced like reducing the physics i think
1: okay of the model but it's a full-size model it still seems so strange to me to simulate the quantum computer that you say is giving you quantum supremacy yeah
0: but again because the supremacy is defined by a really specific problem Uh uh-huh it's not like oh well regular computers are incapable of simulating this I mean, they are incapable of simulating the thing that it does of like getting
1: approximations. That's not really the case. So you can simulate the quantum computer calculating steps along the way, basically, and then extrapolate that out. Yeah. So
0: what they do actually is then with these three like reduced order models, they simulate increasing the number of qubits and then they plot out like the performance metric of this FXEB number that they're trying to calculate. And they, uh, they plot all those data points versus number of qubits. And they also plot like kind of the, like the theoretical curve that they expect. And it lines up. Okay. And this is, in the, this is in the reduced order. So they're showing like, look, when we simulate a quantum computer with reduced complexity, we get accurate results. Like we know these are true. So we expect this curve to continue as we increase the complexity. Okay. We, we have a, re- a good expectation that we're actually hitting like the target, like the accuracy target that we claim we are yeah and since they can't actually like benchmark the data from the full quantum computer test Mm -hmm. because they don't they can't compare it to a simulation they said they that they just like they archived all the data and they've like posted it publicly and they're like once someone has developed a technique to analyze this with a classical computer it's there but like we can't whoa yeah and this is google so okay seems like it'll be
1: a long time before we can figure that one out but dang this is complicated. <laughs> it's really complicated. I wish it was as simple as just, you know, pressing start and then watching one finish in 20 seconds and the other still going years later. No. And this
0: is, again, this is why IBM has kind of claimed that it's
1: bogus. Because really? Th- because it's not as clear cut as that. Interesting. Okay. So we why is IBM... Should we get into that now or should we... What? Uh, yeah, I mean, we can cover that
0: because now... So now that they've shown like their sort of supremacy regime, they mm-hmm. start to get into what would it take a classical computer to do that? And this is the part that IBM took issue with. Okay. This specific part? This specific part. So I thought this was really interesting how they do the comparison or how they do like the estimation of what a classical computer would do. Mm-hmm. So up they said up to 43 qubits, they use the Schrodinger al- algorithm, which simulates like the full quantum state. And then they refer to... They use a supercomputer called ULIC, I want to say it looks German that has a hundred thousand cores and two hundred and fifty terabytes of memory. whoa, to do this beyond forty three qubits, that supercomputer with two hundred and fifty terabytes does not have enough RAM to store the quantum state, really isn't that insane that's in- yeah that's crazy like one of the biggest supercomputers in the world, and at forty three qubits it's not you can't even simulate it anymore. Holy cow, yeah. So that gives you a sense, I guess, of how complex the quantum state is. Whereas that would be a zero or a one, or I guess a combination of forty-three zeros and ones. Yeah, for a uh, classical computer. Yeah, two to the forty-three, yeah. basically combos. So then, after forty-three qubits, they then go and use like Google Cloud servers, like they use Google data centers and all that kind of stuff, and uh, they start doing this sort of estimation using those techniques we talked about before, mm-hmm. and they estimate that for a classical computer. It would cost 50 trillion core hours and consume one petawatt hour of energy to do that.
1: I like, I mean, I know what those numbers mean, but like it doesn't actually, I don't have any physical intuition for how much power that actually is. So if you had,
0: I think that what they said is if you had a a million core computer, like supercomputer, it would take 10,000 years to do the calculation that took the Sycamore quantum computer 600 seconds. (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. And and then they said 600 seconds was really limited by like the control hardware communications, like them actually getting the data. The actual amount of like processing time that the quantum computer was doing was only 30 seconds. Holy cow. That's
1: crazy. Yeah.
0: Wow. So you can kind of imagine why IBM would be mad because they're basically specifically calling out this Summit supercomputer. Yeah. Which is this, you know, mythical million core classical machine.
1: Dang. Okay. So, I I mean, so IBM's not happy about this. Have they published anything recently about, like, in response or sort of in the same vein? It sounds yeah. like they're probably also competing with Google. Yeah, well, so they are competing with Google
0: to get, you know, quantum computers to the market or to do whatever they're supposed to do. They did publish a paper on archive.org two days before, actually one day before the Nature paper was published. Ooh. And I gather what happened here was someone at NASA Ames who was involved in the Google study accidentally uploaded the Nature manuscript a month ago Really Yeah and then someone caught wind of it before it got removed and then the paper started getting circulated who knows if it was you know an intentional pre-leak or whatever Yeah but it was leaked a month before it was published in Nature So IBM had a heads up and they went and they basically went through and did their own calculations and kind of developed their own simulation model of this 53 qubit computer and wow in a month well maybe they had stuff existing but actually let me revise that they didn't develop their own model of the 53 qubit computer what they did was they developed a model of classical computing of the same problem okay to, to figure out how long could you actually do this with a classical computer okay and they kind of call out google they have this blog post that kind of came out in tandem with their with their paper and they kind of call out google saying you guys basically assumed like very basic computing techniques but by applying, you know, this buzzword, this other buzzword, this other buzzword, this other buzzword, <laughs> things that I didn't understand. But by basically applying these very advanced computing techniques, they said that this is a problem we could solve in 2.5 days.
1: Oh, that That's what they think the computing power on Summit, the supercomputer, would actually be. Interesting. So, basically, IBM is saying, Google, you're not comparing apples to apples. It'd be like, yeah, I'm trying to think of a good, good example, but it's like if you say you're going to race a car, someone's like, okay, we wanted to race a fast car. So we raced a Ford uh, Model T. And you're like, because this is a representative model of what cars are. And it's like a, you know, standard, right. whatever. But you're like, well, would you ever race that? You'd race, You'd choose a Ferrari as yes. your benchmark.
0: Yeah, that's a great analogy. Uh, so that's kind of what IBM is accusing Google of doing. Okay. It's being like, I don't know if disingenuous is even like, that might be too strong of a word, but I think they're kind of like, subtly calling out that this is partially a marketing move on Google's part.
1: They jumped the gun too. They jumped the gun. Scientifically,
0: they jumped the gun. That's that's actually like explicitly the accusation that IBM is leveling at Google. Okay. It's like, you jumped the gun, you haven't achieved quantum supremacy. And actually, there's a really good line from the blog post. The The guy who wrote, it, I think he's kind of the head of quantum computing at IBM. He said, and we would further add that the, that the supremacy term is being misunderstood by nearly all outside the rarefied world of quantum computing. A headline that includes some variation of quantum supremacy achieved is almost irresistible to print, but will inevitably mislead the general public. We should make him an honorary paperboy. This guy sounds like a paperboy to me. Yeah. Wow. But, I mean, I think that that's exactly... That's what IBM says Google was trying to do, Mm -hmm. was by being the first to the the goalpost of saying quantum supremacy, they kind of get the credit, they get the headlines, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean... But in reality,
0: it's probably more like, you know how um, Blue Origin did a rocket landing test before SpaceX did their booster landing? Yeah. SpaceX then lands their booster six months later from an actual, you know, orbital flight that was delivering something to orbit, you know. And then Jeff Bezos goes, hey, uh, welcome to the club, Elon. And everyone's like, dude,
1: you didn't do the same thing. Everyone, I mean, everyone who understands the challenges of it, but in the public perception, I'd say it was a successful move by Blue Origin to insert themselves as like a legitimate player in the public perception. Yes, exactly.
0: And so, but very technically
1: very different challenges. Very different. So Google, IBM is claiming
0: that Google is kind of pulling a Jeff Bezos here. Okay. That they're kind of almost fudging. Not. I don't want to say that because this is very scientific. It's like a very important technical achievement. IBM even says that this is a really big deal, but it's just a little disingenuous.
1: Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I've heard a lot about this going around in the news and I had a feeling you were going to do an episode on it, so I refrained as hard as I could from <laughs> oh, I'm sure it was about it. So tempting to read this paper. Well, I refrained from reading the paper by all means necessary, yeah. But I actually stayed away from some of the news. Oh, well, a couple well, thank you. But even so even uh Alec
0: who recommended this episode, uh-huh. I mean, he's a computer scientist. Yeah. He has a computer science degree from a very, very good school. And he told me like, yeah, even my eyes glaze over when I read some of this stuff. Damn. So, yeah. So I'm I'm hoping that he can maybe set the record straight on most of the BS that I've spewed for this episode. (laughs) So Alec, if you're listening, uh, shoot us an email. We'll do a little correction at the beginning of next episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, that's interesting. You know, it's hard. It'll be curious to see as we go forward, like how many more quantum computing episodes we end up doing and how many appear as this becomes more and more mainstream i mean if it achieves that level yeah and there's actually a cool little blurb at the end of the the google paper
0: i mean the section is titled the future Ooh, very forward thinking but they say not not future work (laughs) yeah exactly damn i know it's a cool way to, to put future work they think that i mean they have no reason not to believe that quantum computing will follow the
1: same like you know moore's law have you heard of that before yeah yeah the idea that Computing technology, computing power basically doubles every two years. Yeah. And so they think that
0: this will follow a similar thing, you know, whether it's every two years or it'll be on that order. Okay. Um, So they think the hardware advancements will be really good and will make this kind of explode soon. And then on top of that, right now, there's nothing that's really like a useful application of quantum computing. Like, I think in theory, they know that it'll be really good for um, simulating like chemical systems like the example that IBM gives on their website is about
1: simulating the molecular bonds of a molecule. Oh, I've heard. I mean, so with that, you don't have to do clinical trials anymore. Like you yeah. can simulate drugs. Right. So they could invent new, new drugs that could cure whatever or,
0: or be like a better painkiller or whatever. Wow. And so that's what quantum computing could be really good at. But I mean, that's just the first, one of the first things that we've really thought of. Like once the mm-hmm. technology is there, people will you know i mean bill gates was going to a computer lab and like or and like factoring numbers with you know punch cards yeah like no one in their real life needs to factor a number no but ultimately the technology gets to a point where you
1: know how to do something meaningful with it and then yeah it just expands human capabilities yeah end it's up been- in some weird ray Bar- bradbury futuristic society where we're asking the supercomputer the meaning of life yeah no th- okay this is why you need to see Hitchhiker's Guide. Like, yeah. So they build this giant supercomputer
0: and they say, we want the answer. And the computer's like, the answer to what? And they're like, everything, life, like the universe, everything. Like we want, we want to know the meaning of it all. Yeah. They're, and then it's like, okay, I'll think. They come back 10,000 years later, they have this big party.
1: And they're like, <laughs> what's the answer? And it goes, 42. I remember in my like, first computer science class, like everyone ironically Every single time the professor asked a question said 42 and like giggled. Yeah. It's like the ultimate from that. Yeah. Nerd pop culture reference. Okay. I mean, it's funny. 42. Yeah. Yeah,
0: And then, and then like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you'd never specified what the question was. (laughs) So, (laughs) but you know, yeah, long, long story of a movie and book that most people have probably already seen. But, uh, they basically say at the end of this paper, we're only one creative algorithm away from valuable near term applications. Okay. So kind of summarizes hmm. like interesting to the lay researcher. Yeah. So someone eventually will come up with that, you know, 42 question that
1: will make this whole thing worth it. Oh, man, I can't wait. Can't wait to know that. It's like Jeopardy. You yeah. know the answer, but what's the question? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for doing that one, Charlie. Alec, thank you for the very challenging recommendation. <laughs> no, seriously. Putting me through the ringer. If you enjoyed this episode, definitely check out our other episodes. Yeah. Um, and definitely hit us up on social media and Patreon. We'd love to hear from our listeners. It makes it a really rewarding experience for Charlie and myself. So hit us up. Let us know what you. Let us know what questions you have. Bonus episode coming out tomorrow.
0: Yes. So get ready for that. Uh, you'll want to top up your subscription before that comes out. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You could top up on Pi. Yeah, I mean, you could subscribe and then download all the episodes before actually giving your credit card info for all i care
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know it's fall you know get a little fire going get yourself some pumpkin pie turn on paper boys sit back and relax it's, yeah what more could you ask for yeah that sounds like a nice day i'll probably do that this sunday oh i I'd, I'd love to. if only i had a fireplace mm. thank you so much for listening and please join us next week for another exciting edition of paper boys thanks for listening